This week on the Small Church Media Podcast, we are jumping back into our conversation about what are the bare essentials for church communication. Last week was part one, where we laid some of the foundational you know, groundwork for this conversation. And in part two, we go even deeper and talk about what are secondary issues and what are things that small churches just need to avoid all together. You guys ready to talk about it? Let's get it. This is the Small Church Media Podcast with Mark Hyde. Well, what is good, everybody? I hope you guys had a great weekend worshiping with your church family. My weekend uh, was full of a lot of uh, finishing packing and cleaning and moving, and (laughs) I am eggs. Exhausted, But we had a great time on Sunday with our church where we kind of, um, just the way our church schedule is kind of set up, rather than having a fiscal year of January to January, we more so do September through the end of August. So we celebrated all the amazing things that were happening with our church. We relaunched all of our fall ministries with children's ministry as well as student ministry. And so I know if our church is doing that, your church has probably already launched all of your fall ministries as well. So I hope you guys are leaning into supporting your volunteers, coming alongside parents, maybe launching new life groups or connect groups or Sunday schools, whatever you guys want to call them, and that you guys are just getting ready for a whole new season of ministry. Here on the Small Church Media Podcast, we are actually entering into a different season of our, you can call this a ministry as well. You know, I know you guys have heard a lot about worship tools over the last few months, and I've been so grateful and thankful for their partnership over here on the podcast. And I do want to remind you that this episode of the Small Church Communication Podcast is sponsored by Worship Tools, and Worship Tools creates software tools designed to equip your worship team and enhance your congregation's worship experience. Planning, presenter, and music stand are all included and are all free for your whole team to use. So prepare, rehearse, and present at the next level with Worship Tools. You can get started today over at smallchurch.media forward slash worship tools. But I do want to let you know, this is the last episode that Worship Tools will be sponsoring here for just a little bit. And you'll hear about some other amazing, amazing softwares in the coming months of new sponsors for the Small Church Media Podcast. But I just want to give a big shout out to Adam Meyer over there at Worship Tools, who's created a phenomenal phenomenal resource. And just because you won't hear me talk about them next week does not mean our friendship has ended. So I just wanted to give one last shout out to Worship Tools. And I also want to give a shout out to you guys who have left reviews over on Apple Podcasts. There's only been a handful of you guys. I've already read all of those reviews. So I would love to read more reviews here on the podcast. So if you listen on Apple Podcasts, Hit up that episode, scroll to the very bottom, give us a five-star, leave a review so that way more people can find the show, engage with the show, and hopefully learn how to use media to strengthen the faith of their congregation while also being able to reach outside the four walls. Well, today we are jumping back into that conversation that we started last week with Abby over at Church Communications in the first episode. Uh, there we talked about a lot of things that you guys have heard a lot about here on the show of just what are the bare essentials with things like Google My Business and your website. But moving forward, we're going to have some conversations around things that we have not really talked about on this show. Primarily, what is a primary thing for an essential for church communication and what is a secondary and my favorite part of the whole show. Let me know your opinions on it of things small churches often do to try to get more people to walk through their doors 
and in my opinion, is just a big waste of money. So without further ado, here is part two of my conversation with Abby over in Church Communications. All right, so moving on to like our next point. I think you said we had yep. three different things we were going to touch on. Yep, we that was one big one. That was a big, that was our first one. What is the second thing? What's our next okay. category? And this one we should be able to go through a lot quicker, but this is literally just how you manage all the things in church life. Like we talked about, you got to manage giving, you got to manage volunteers, you got to manage check-ins, you got to manage just where your people are even at in attendance and all those different things. And this is the big one that I know you guys are a big believer in, but you have to have a, you know, not just a church management software, but a cloud-based, online, internet-based church management software. And there are different types of church management softwares, but you would be shocked. Again, my audience is small church. You would be shocked about how many churches are running an old Windows XP or a Windows... Uh, I don't think anyone's running Windows 98 anymore, but an old XP <laughs> or you know, you know, just a Windows 10, whatever, with a desktop version of a church management software where they have to literally physically walk into the building and do all the things inside of this on one computer and it cannot be found online. With a church that's super small and, and able to... Um, I don't know. As a small church, you're able to do a lot of things that a lot of big churches are not able to do. One of those things is you can literally, as you're preaching as a pastor, you can look into your crowd and say, who's here and who's not? It's very, very simple. <laughs> very, very, very simple to do. If you're at a large church with thousands of people, you can't do that. Even our church, it's really funny. Um, our admin assistant, she would take attendance and then she would hand that off to our lead pastor who would confirm that because he actually can see who's here, who's not while he's preaching. Our church was only 200 people, but you're able to do that. But at, yeah. at, at the end of the day, with the way technology is improving and you're having a lot of volunteers do a lot of different things for you because you're a small church, you have to have a cloud-based church management software. And I know you guys had that church management virtual summit that I was absolutely blessed to be a part of. I hated the way my audio quality sounded on that. So I just <laughs> want to set the record straight that it was it was, it was was peaky and I apologize for that. I had one shot, one take and I did it and the audio levels were fine and still I, until I brought out my speaking voice and then it was too loud. Um, hey, the I know content you, was good. The you content was good. I got my Bob Ross good. joke in there with my <laughs> afro. It was wonderful. But you know, I know uh, so many people are like, oh yeah, we know about church management softwares. We have them, we use them, but you would be shocked about how many people don't have a cloud-based church management software in place. And then even if you do, how many churches don't use their church management software the way it was designed to be used? Because the church management software, it's not just a way for you to take get another megaphone out and yell at your congregation. It's not a way to just have a church directory online. And it's not just a way for people to just check in kids to feel secure, but in reality, it's not. You know, a church management software is in such a way where you can track not just your people, but you can track visitors as well. And the, the the best way I've ever seen, you know, a church actually use a church management software is not the way you would expect. Because a lot of churches, you know, they put it in where they just put the people in, they track the giving reports, they they track the attendance and giving and all those different things. Most people don't realize that your church management software can actually be your lead generating. I don't want to say your lead generating magnet, but more like your customer relationship, customer relationship management tool is really what it is. Yeah. And so when someone comes into your church the first time, you generally have something that we do. And most churches, you know, we'll say, "Hey, there's a free gift. Go see the welcome center. We would love to meet you." Or, or the language that that we use at our church is, "Hey, if you want to make yourself known." we would love to be able to meet you and connect with you and, and help you go through the steps along the way. But then the question is, is okay, once someone does that, what's next? 
do you have a process queue for them? Do you know what the next steps are? Do you know what funnel you're trying to take people to? Are you trying to make them go from visitors to attenders to members to serve? Or do you go from visitors to we want them to serve? You know, kind of the church mindset, which is um, some churches have the you, what is it? You, I'm trying to think what it is. It's like a, you belong before you join or something like that. Basically, yeah, it's like yeah, you yeah. can you can serve, you can be a door opener without even being a member at our church. If that's the way your right. church does it, yes, you have a process to do it, but how many visitors fall through the cracks because you don't know where they are at in the process? And especially with small churches that our pastors are always on the go, they're trusting volunteers that make sure things are happening. How do you know that your volunteers are following up with those process cues for new visitors? How do you know your volunteers are actually knowing what they're supposed to be doing in a worship service, which is another way that people can use church management software for is scheduling all of your volunteers. How do you know that the people that you set up in place to run the church, so to speak, because again, a bivocational pastor's job is primarily counseling, preaching, and making sure just that the tires stay on, 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 the, on the cart. That's literally what yeah. a bivocational pastor's job is. And but so many times we just have this way of just doing church where if someone misses service, yeah, we'll just shoot them a text, we'll just do whatever. But you know, I feel like with today's modern technology of just being, I mean, yes, and I know I'm speaking from all, all sides of my head right now. Yes, we can pay church management softwares a lot of money to bring it all into one place. I'm a big fan of Breeze. I, that, yeah. I'm just unapologetically, I'm a big fan of Breeze. One <laughs> price, 70 bucks, and you're out the door. Our church used Church Community Builder, and we were able to build a really cool system inside of that. Um, the church I'm a part of now, um, and just 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 a member there, they use Planning Center for everything. They You can get these really paid premium church management softwares that bring everything into one place. But if you as a small church don't have a large budget, you can literally piecemeal, uh, piecemeal, piecemeal a lot of this stuff together where it's like, you know, we can use plain center people just to track our, our, our people and have a way to communicate with them. No more Excel spreadsheets, no more desktop based, but literally just right there on the go. Because like for me, I am terrible at remembering people's names, but I'm very good at remembering people's last names or a random kid's name. So you would be shocked about how many times I would look over at church or I would see someone out and about in public and go, what's their first name again? I would pop into our church, you know, literally a church management software, look up their name really quick, check all the things. Okay, so they've gone through the visitor status, but they haven't joined yet. Instantly, I remember their first name and I, I'm able to just meet them where they're at. Now, some people will say like, okay, Mark, that's, that's not having a true pastor's heart. No, that's called God did not bless me with a good memory. That's exactly <laughs> what that's called. But so I'm able to use tools and resources in such a way with an online cloud-based church management software that the access and the information for our entire church is just at my fingertips. Yeah, and I think that's something, and this is, I feel like large and small churches sort of miss this. It's not just a small church thing, but having all of this data on your people, I think to some people just feels like kind of cold and sterile. But like the example that you just gave, like that's a real life, like that that data serves as a means to connect with someone. That offers an opportunity for you to personally connect with someone, to remember their name. Yep. You know something about them. You have context for them. And so you're not just walking up to them and being like, hey, like, did you come to my church? Like, do we know each other? No, like it was a real point of connection and that was probably way more impactful to them. And so that's something that we talk about a lot, especially in the realm of CHMS software is just that like that data means something. Like you don't just want to collect all this stuff and take in all this info and then just let it live in the cloud for years. Like you said, you've got to pull you, it you, out. You got to use, use it, it, right. Mm -hmm. 
And yeah. you know, some pastors, like like my pastor, Scott, he has the world's freakiest memory. Like it is unstinking real. Like we'd go out to lunch and he would see someone and he'd be like, he would just be chatting with someone. And all of a sudden I'm like, so Scott, who was that? He goes, oh, his name is this. They visited a couple of times, like 10 years ago at our church. And I seen him here and there. And I'm like, you remember someone's name when they visited our church two times 10 years ago? That's not nuts. me. Could not be. And, <laughs> and so some pastors have a glorious, phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal memory. But you know, at the end of the day, though, it's I still want to just double down on this fact of you can't remember everything. And the last thing you want is for someone to feel not whether it's a fact or not, it does not matter. You don't want someone to feel like you don't care about them and that they have fallen through the cracks. And that's why I love church management software, especially cloud-based ones where, you know, you're able to set up your process queues in such a way where it also creates just a way of accountability for volunteers. Like for, for our church, we had a, a <laughs> we had a intense process queue lined up for visitors where we had a lot of automated stuff too, where if someone texted the word new to our church's phone number, they were instantly put into the queue where we got more information. They were receiving text messages at certain points of certain times based on when we you know, for, from stats and studies of what we did ourselves when people are more likely to respond to those text messages. They were also put into our email chains, not our church email chain, but specifically our visitor one, where if we had certain things we wanted to communicate to visitors, they would be able to put, be put into a group where we'd say, hey, we want to invite you back to our Easter services. We want to invite you and your kids back to our VBS. And we're able to reach and communicate effectively and efficiently in a way that they need to be talked to. And then even from there, you're able to take people along the steps along the way. So if someone wrote, filled out a you know physical contact card with their address, it would go to our admin assistant. She would instantly put it in the system and would instantly send them an email from our pastor. Next process queue, we had a lady in our church who wrote letters, handwritten letters to every visitor that gave us their, their address. She would do that, click check, it would go off the next box. The next box was for me then to follow up with them and say, hey, is there anything that we can do? Do you want to sit down and you know talk with our pastor about salvation or baptism or anything like that? Cool. Based on their answer, I would put them into a specific process queue. Our pastor would be notified and say, hey, Julie wants to talk about baptism. Bob wants to talk about Discover Southside class. And all of a sudden, we have this beautiful system. Now, again, you have to remember, processes are beautiful when you set them up, but they fail when people get their hands in them. It's just a fact. But at the same time, if you are a small church and you're like, hey, I'm trying to figure out how do I get people through the system and not fall through the crack? And I'm trying to you know, get all these steps and I'm trying to remember where people are done. Have you taken the new members class? Have you not? I don't really know. A church, a church management software, specifically a cloud-based one like you know, Breeze Planning Center. Uh, I know um, Faith Life has one. Is it Shepherd's Keeper, I think? A servant's Keeper, Servant's Keeper. Servant's Keeper, yeah. Um, and so there's a, so many great softwares and tools out there. And I actually have an episode a while back of um, just a bunch of free softwares that church can use and your entire church can operate completely free. But then the kicker is, you know, if you pay a premium, you can bring it all into one house and one window. And I think that's just a solid investment. 800 bucks a year to have everything under one window where you can send out tithe reports at the end of the year. You can track attendance. You can do check-in and check-out. You can do event management stuff for if you're doing events, how to get volunteers in place. Also schedule your volunteers. Man, it just works. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you're so right. Setting up those processes is key because I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who say, we have this software, we've been working with it for like two years, but no one ever set it up correctly. So it doesn't do what we need it to do. You know, oftentimes yep. it gets handed off or passed down and it's like, well, this isn't the right way to do it, but we sort of like rigged it to work for us. And then someone else takes it over and they sort of, you know, 
finagle with it and rig it to work for them. And you never really learn the proper way for the software to help you. So I think that's really important just to note that if you do make the investment and you get a CHMS, cloud-based CHMS, take the time to learn about it, educate yourself on it, build out those processes and make sure that everyone is following the processes. Because like you said, people get their hands in there and that's when things start to, you know... And it starts to fail. Yes, things go missing, things aren't working. And then it's just like a headache and you're like, why am I paying this money for this tool that doesn't even work? When, exactly. You know, yep. like it could be working for you. It could be making your life so much easier. It should not make things more complicated. It, it, and that's the thing is, and that's why I actually like the idea of, of um, Servant's Keeper. Like, I love, love, love the name of it because at the end of the day, it's like, this is a, goodness, it's, I, I'm a firm believer in God. I mean, it's it's scriptural, so you can't argue with me on this one. <laughs> but it's the fact of, you know, God gives some people one talent. So sometimes people yeah. fight like money, one talent, five talent, 10 talents. And, you know, he does it. it the, the, the master didn't look at the person with one talent that I expected you to reap 20 more talents like homeboy over here did who I gave him a lot. You're just called to steward what you have and steward it well. And that's why, you know, a church website, you got to steward it. Google My Business is free. It's unapologetic. I, I am unapologetic. You have to steward it. Church management softwares, if you have it, and this is where my shout out goes to the big churches, because I don't care how big you are, you still have to have this thing in place. And again, it's yeah. a, it's just a fundamental of church media. It's a essential. It's the bare essential. So I would say if you're a small church and you don't have one, start looking into it. Even if you have to just start with planning center people free, that is a beautiful place just to start, just to literally track your people and just know where the system and the databases are so you can communicate with them in the way that they need to. Yep. I totally agree. So we have touched on websites, essential for sure. Managing your people using a cloud-based CHMS, essential. What's our last thing? What's our final? Uh, what's our final category here? So I I changed this up a little bit, and I keep going back and forth on it. But at the end of the day is the church gathers around the corporate worship service. There's no question about it. I don't care if you are liturgical or if you are non denominational. Where even though you at the end of the day, you know, still join online, you're still worshiping corporately with a person, whether it's a worship service or it's mass or it's liturgical or it's modern or it's content. It doesn't matter. Church is supposed to gather. And at the end of the day, we have to have proper tools in place where we can worship corporately distraction-free and have an amazing presentation software to do it. And the thing that I keep going back and forth on is, okay, do you need a cloud-based presentation software or can you just do ProPresenter 7, not use the cloud-based and it lives on one computer? And I was thinking through this a lot because like at our church um, that I was a member at, our, we never did the cloud-based stuff because of just the nature of, of the, the beast. I mean, we had three staff members plus an admin assistant. So we were always in the building. So we never needed cloud-based where you know yeah. our worship team would come in, whoever was doing visual media would come in 20 minutes early, set the scene, and we were ready to go. But we had our database right there via song select where we could just pop our stuff in really, really fast. But if you are, again, a bi- I'm thinking bivocational pastor, you have a different job, you have a volunteers that are running all of these different things, Cloud-based presentation softwares, I think, is just an easy, easy win. Because if you have a volunteer worship leader or worship pastor, which at our church, uh, we call him Brando. His name is Brandon, but we call him Brando. For years, he was just a volunteer worship leader who had to set all of this stuff up. 
if he he even said if he had a cloud-based system where he could just be at home at night, 10 30, 11 o'clock, or hey, you know, midnight, everyone's asleep. He can set up the whole presentation worship service ready to go from his own bed in his PJs in 30 minutes. <laughs> and he is absolutely ready to go. And the thing that so many churches come back on with me on is the fact of like I've talked with, you know, small specifically a small church over in Idaho. And the pastor was telling me like, Mark, I, I know you're a big proponent of pro presenter. That's what our church uses. We doubled down and went hard in pro presenter. We are a pro presenter family. The church that I'm now just, a, you know, actually about to be a member at, they use ProPresenter. That's what we use. But he's like, Mark, I don't have hundreds of dollars to spend on this one program. So we just use Google Slides. And honestly, Google Slides works fine because again, it's cloud-based. And that was the proof and the pudding for me of, yes, you guys want cloud-based. But the problem with using a ProPresenter, or not ProPresenter, I'm sorry, with a Google Slide or a Apple Keynote or Microsoft PowerPoint is you don't have the ability to create libraries for your songs and your media that actually save you time down the road. Where like for ProPresenter, all of our songs are in the library and they're all in the order that we already do them in terms of verse one, chorus, verse two, chorus, chorus, bridge, bridge, chorus, chorus, and we're done. It's already lined up, ready to go. So all of our visual media kids, and they're literally, they're kids. We don't have any adults running visual media. They're, They're teenagers. They literally can just grab the files and drag them in where they need to go. And it just works. They don't need to retype out songs. They don't need to copy and paste songs in. And there's so amazing free softwares out there or just super budget-friendly softwares out there that we don't need to settle for just a Google Slides or you know pay the big money for ProPresenter. You know, like I'm friends with Adam Meyer over at Worship Tools. It used to be Worship Extreme, and but they just rebranded it. So now they're Worship Tools because they do more than just worship. He has always had a freemium version of his software where you can use Worship Tools and have the exact same power as a ProPresenter in terms of just pushing it to the screen for worship service, all that completely free. Now, if you want to build massive libraries with a lot of backgrounds and other tools and stuff like that, then yes, he'll say like, yeah, you have to pay for it because that costs me storage space. But yeah, of course. his heart is the same as mine where we've, we've chatted on the phone and over Zoom where it's like, we both love small churches and that's why we do what we do. And he's like, I developed my software for my church because we had no money. And he developed it as like a teenager, if I remember right, like way back in the day. Because he's like, we need something. Here's a need. Oh, a lot of other churches have this need too. Let me just give it away as much as I possibly can. So I would say, you know, another bare essential for a church. Now, this isn't anything to do with online. It's just media in general. But having a cloud-based presentation software is an absolute must. And it will just save you so much time and headache. And, and let's be honest, it will save your volunteers time and headaches, and it just works. So I'm a big fan of worship tools. I can't honestly say... I love it. I, I can't say anything else about it. I absolutely love it. Um, another buddy of mine, he's a church planner here in the area. He swears by Proclaim software, like through Faith Life and Logos and all that, because he's a Logos user. So he can just create yeah. stuff for his sermons really, really fast. But again, it's a cloud-based software because his worship leader is volunteer. So he does it all on his own house and they can all access the same files and it just, just works. Well, and I think it's it's good to remind people, like you said, you're saving, yes, maybe you're investing some money into a tool, but you're not just paying for it. You're also saving the time that you can be using somewhere else. Exactly. You know, it's sort of like a cost benefit thing. It's like, okay, yes, I am going to spend this money on this tool, but it's going to save me an insane amount of time that I can then invest into something else. So. Yeah. And at the end of the day, that's the thing is, and that's why I, you know, I love the episode that I was able to do a little bit ago of you can literally do everything that a big church does for completely 
free. You can hodgepodge your meal together, slap it all together and works. Like I know for uh, worship tools, they also have volunteer, like a, a free volunteer software where you can schedule and maintain your volunteers. They also have music stand, which is kind of like a, um, um, I think it's pro presenter. I think, uh, no, Playing Center, like Playing Center Music Stand, they have that. Worship Tools has their own version of that as well. You can use Planning Center people for completely free. You can you know DIY your website on Squarespace. Well, you got to pay the hosting fees, but that's you know twelve bucks a month, eight bucks a month. That's pretty cheap, right? But you're not paying a web developer thousands of dollars to do it. There's so many different tools that you can do all the things that we've talked about right now, and all the things moving forward for completely free, like. it's out there. It's more just the fact of, do you want to hodgepodge everything together where you have a thousand different programs and a thousand different resources and a thousand different logins? If you have no budget and the time to do it, sure, go for it. I know a lot of churches that do it, but this is where I you know, can't speak enough, enough about Breeze where it's 70 bucks a month. It does everything. You bring worship tools into it. All of a sudden you're paying $800 and you church can do everything and manage everything. No questions asked. Yes. And again, like you said, what's going to work for you? Figure yes. out what do you have the margin for? What do you have the people for? What do you have the money for? Start there. You know, you don't have to set yourself in this like parameter or boundary of like, we have to have this software. We have to have this. There's so many options out there. Amazing ones. And like, I'm not going to say like, oh, this is the one you have to have to be successful. Like you can make so many of them work, work together, work individually. So Yeah, there's a lot of options. But I will say this. If you want to keep the trust of your volunteers, which let's be honest, if you don't have volunteers, you can't run a Sunday morning worship service or experience or kids program or anything. If you want to keep their trust, don't keep switching softwares. Just just get one. Amen. Just get one and double down on it. Even if it's not perfect, even if it's annoying, if it works for your church, it works for your church. Absolutely. So we have covered websites. We have, we're doing a little recap here. We've covered the websites. Yeah. And we've covered, what else? What was our second point? Uh, Websites, Google business page. Yes. Websites, Google business page. Absolutely. Super important. We've also talked about how to manage your people. We've also talked about the importance of your worship, your Sunday morning worship and having everything that you need there. And I would say that's it. Yeah. That's it. That's your bare essentials. Yeah. That's the essentials right there. What if someone listening has these three things. They're like, all right, Mark. All right, Abby. Like, I hear you. We've got this. We're in place. We're rocking and rolling. Props to you if that's the case. Way yep. to go. That's amazing. Do you have any next steps? Any additional things you would throw in? So this is where I think social media has as gets to come into play. You know, someone once asked me, Mark, what's more important, a Facebook page or a church website? And the answer is always, always, always a website. Always. But if everything is in order, this is when you can start doubling down on your social media efforts. You can start having the... And again, I think churches should just have Facebook pages because the easiest way to live stream and build community and groups and all these different things. I'm a big proponent. So I don't want people to hear me and go, Mark social media. (laughs) I spend way too much time on social media because I'm a millennial and that's just where I live. I live on Instagram and Facebook. That's what I do. I don't do TikTok because I already waste enough time. So, but you know, but if you have all these things in order and then you start actively doing your social media campaigns where you're doing the Facebook posts and you're doing, you know, sermon recaps and you're doing videos and you're using Instagram well where you're making posts and then you're doing stories to connect with people who already follow you, reels to gain more followers. People are going to see all this and go, what's going on with this church? And then they start wanting to start asking questions and, and get things in order of where they need to go. 
most of the time, they're still going to bounce back to that website. And that's why I say social media is not a bare essential unless you have your website in order. So if your website's in order... And let's say this. Okay, so let's say your website is in order. You're doing good. But your church management software is... you know, It's not doing well. I really do think you need to spend more time on your church management software to make sure that's working well for your church. But you know, if you're still working on that, you're working on programs that are doing all different things, if your website's in order, get to work on that social media. I think that's where social media comes in. Where again, it's it's a sandwich board where you're trying to get people to come in to look at the menu in order to engage with your business or your restaurant. It's your window where they can look into your operation to open the door to walk in and find it, find out what's going on. It's a window into your church's life and culture where they can see, here's what the people look like. Here's how services work. Here's some things that the pastor says. Here's how he preaches. Oh, okay, let's learn more about the church and see if this is right for our family. Go to the website and hopefully they'll be able to you know, walk into your church one day and become a member. So if you, if you actually have your website in order, that's when I say double down on social media. Because it's like what Brady Shear says, we're living in the greatest communication shift since you know, the printing press, since forever. Yeah. Tom Rayner says that a missionary can't actually be a missionary if he doesn't understand the culture and use cultural ways to reach people. In America... Our culture is social media. So you have to use social media. And I'm never going to say that you should kill your social medias or you should never be on social media. Or, <laughs> you know, if you have a website, don't do Facebook, don't do Instagram. That's not what I'm saying. All yeah. I'm saying is, is use social media well. You know, be part of... I, I, this is why I love Church Communications Facebook group is the fact of it's literally the one-stop shop for everything where you can learn about all the different things. And inside that Facebook group, your people know... We know social media is the easiest way to reach people. It's the easiest way to literally showcase our church to the world. But again, it's just a window. The website's the front door. So you get that website in place, double down on social media. That's that's what I would say would be one of the next steps. Yeah, I think that is so true. And you're right. It does. It gives... And it's fun, right? Like it's a fun place to mm-hmm. connect with people. And like you can do some of that like storytelling stuff. And like, I don't know. It, it's a more fun place, but I completely agree. Don't be spending your time there and investing all of your your money, your research, your time, your working hours on social media till your website is good to go. Correct. And you know, so once that's good to go, you got your social media in place. This is where I think then live stream comes in really, really handy. Yeah. So I know a lot of churches that, you know, they started. I mean, again, you know, we're living in a weird age right now. We're we're officially coming out of COVID. We've been coming out of COVID for a while. We're still coming out of COVID. It's just the nature of the beast. When the when churches got locked down, churches had to go live. And there was a lot of really cool things that happened because of that. And I'm all about it. But the deal is, is with a small church, I've seen so many... We've already talked about this. We've seen so many small churches where they have a live stream where they have like a $250 Canon or Sony camera that they bought from Target. They figured out how to use an HDMI capture card. And oh, now we know how to get audio out of the soundboard. Oh, now we know how to use OBS or... Or some people just literally stick an iPad in the back of the sanctuary and click record and it goes wherever it needs to go. I'm not saying live stream is bad. Live stream is actually good. However, sometimes I think live streams do more harm than good, especially if someone is visiting the church page for the first time. They want to see what the worship service is like. Sometimes, I don't know. When people take audio straight out of a soundboard, it sounds awful. (laughs) <laughs> it sounds absolutely dreadful on live stream where the vocals are so hot and they're so loud and they even just, even if they're on key, it just sounds wrong and all the instrument balance is off and people will get that and be like, oh, okay, so that just doesn't look good or sound good. So why would I even want to walk into this church building? So like that's why I'm a big proponent for of, of what I've even told pastors is, is rather than spend all this time on developing your live stream software, just get a footage of 
You as a pastor, 30 seconds, stay in your sanctuary, someone hold an iPhone sideways and just say who you are, what your church is about. Maybe if you can do video editing, slap some what's called B-roll into that video, just random shots of the church overlapping with, with your voice. That's all, you know, that's, that's super cool. In some churches I know, they don't live stream. They just record their services, patch it together, and then launch it the next day. Sure, that's that's good to go as well. And yes, live stream was a necessity because of COVID. And yes, a live stream can help your church grow. And when I said on that Facebook group of, you know, live streams overrated, I know Katie jumped on. She goes, I listen. Like, I, she's like, but I watch so many. And I'm like, I do too. I yeah. watch, I mean, I watch Andy Stanley, JD Greer, Craig Rochelle. I watch all these guys. 100% I watch these churches. However, for a very small church, live stream is not where you should be putting your your, your chips in that basket unless all your other things are in order. So if other things are in order, then you can double down on live stream and make sure if you do it, you spend the thousands of dollars on the right stuff to do it right. Yeah, definitely. And you're you're right. It is a contra- it's a hot topic right now in the church communications Facebook and just, yep. you know, in the church world out there coming out of COVID and should we keep it? Should we go back? Whatever. There's a lot of mixed reviews. But I do think you're touching on something that is so true and that COVID changed people's expectations for production quality. Yes. Right? Like we just started to anticipate high level audio and video from everything because we were all stuck at home. People figured it out. Everything just like shot up exponentially in quality. And now that expectation is going to remain, right? Like you can't just, you can't really get away with having the, you know, chintzy little audio or not having good video quality. You can't. So, I mean, that's just, you're right. It's something to consider and to take into account when you're, because a lot of people who are listening to this probably right now might be at that crossroads of like, okay, like we're coming out of COVID. Like everyone's coming back. Like, what do we do? Are we going to keep doing it? Are we going to ditch it? Are we going to do a pre-recorded thing or post it the next day? So yeah, I think these are all definitely really important things to take into consideration. But I will say this, even though we are living in an age where the photo quality and the audio quality completely matters, still one of the most popular things that people do is they buy cameo videos from actors. And what do these yeah. actors do? They just hold up their phone and they just huh? make that cameo yeah, and then they send it off. But yeah. here's the deal is that's an emotional touch point that pastors of small churches, hey, everyone has one of these stupid little things. Well, it's not stupid. Mine is, it's my best friend, second to my wife. <laughs> Well, actually, my, best <laughs> my 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 wife and Jesus and my phone. Like that's that's kind of what it is. Uh, this is confession time. Now we are entering the confessional booth right now here, Abby. Yeah, but, if you've made it this far in the podcast. Like, thanks for sticking with us. We're in the confession segment, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But you know, every pastor has one of these phones and his devices. Rather than having these crazy polished worship service, I'm a big proponent of rehash the sermon. Get a yeah. like, hold your phone up, a quick little two minute video recap of, hey, here's what we talked about. Here's what this means for you. And here's an, another application out of it. Our pastor has been starting to do this finally after listening to me, where before every single sermon, he literally just puts his phone, his, the worship pastor holds it, or his wife holds it, or honestly, his daughter holds it. And he just says, hey, I'm Pastor Michael from New Life. We would love for you to join us this Sunday at this time, where we're going to be talking about this subject from this Bible passage. We hope to see you there. 20 seconds in and out. And those actually have a better reach than even the live stream services. And the church I'm a part of has a phenomenal, I mean, they have a one camera setup, but they have a phenomenal live stream feed for what it's for, for honestly, for what yeah. it's worth. I'm very, very proud of what they were able to kick out because of COVID. But so many times, if we want to connect with people emotionally and actually have them feel like they want to belong, yes, live stream will get people to start viewing you and to start learning from you. But the beautiful thing about a small church 
is it's all about community. It's not yes. all about production. So if you are, again, again, and this is the hard thing is like I can go into the weeds of live stream like crazy because yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. And I've had to build so many systems for it. However, for small churches, emotional touch points to get people involved with the community is way better than having to make sure you broadcast your sermon out there. Now, if you're a small church and you're like, hey, we just want to broadcast for people who are traveling or sick or shut-ins can do it, go for it. If you have a yeah. purpose for doing it, do it. But don't just do it because everybody else do it. Make sure it fits in with your mission and your theme. I totally agree. And that's so authentic, right? Because then you're you're calling it what it is, right? You're like, this is just me, just the pastor leveling with you, which is one of the things that I love about social media. I think it sort of eliminates that barrier between the pulpit and the seats, right? Yes. Like it humanizes your pastor and your staff or your, you know, whoever is working at your church. It makes you so much more approachable. So yeah, I love that idea because it's just, you're calling it what it is. This is a connection from the pastor to the church and you're not worrying about, you're, you know, you're not expected to worry about the production quality and all of that stuff then. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's an emotional touch point, like you said. And I think that for sure is way more impactful to people. Yep. Yep. And so that's, the, yeah. I mean, there's nothing else I could say, but yeah. 100%. Um, another thing, though, that I would say, like, okay, we got all these things in order. What's your next step? Yeah. This is my favorite is texting softwares. I mm. am a sucker for texting softwares. In fact, the church that I was a part of, like, we had like Remind for our youth group because that's just what we did. It was free. It worked, you know. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. But then we were like, can we start using this for the church? So our church, we went with Pastors Line because it connects with CCB. I know you guys are great friends with Texan Church, which is one of the, in my opinion, phenomenal platform. There's uh, uh, Flocknote, I think is another yeah. texting software. And I am a huge, huge, huge proponent of church texting softwares. If I will say if and only if you use texting softwares correctly and not just use it as another megaphone. But you yeah. know, I see a lot of churches like, hey, we just got to get our texting software. And I'm like... How about you get your church management software in place and in order and the way it's set up? It needs to be first, and then let's dive into texting software. So I don't need to say much else than that. But if your church management software is not in order, adding a church texting software will make you more annoying to your own congregation. And the last <laughs> thing you want to be is more annoying. So if your church management software is in place, then tap into that texting software. Totally agree. Definitely agree. And as you mentioned, we love texting church. Uh, if you're interested in trying them out, like if you don't have a texting software and you want to do a free trial, you can go to churchcommunications.com slash TIC. You can just check them out, do a 30-day free trial just to see if maybe this is something that would work well for your church. Uh, So yeah, definitely. And you're right. It can be annoying if used improperly. Uh, So be sure that all of your other systems are in place to make sure that you're not just hammering people with these annoying text messages where they're eventually going to block you because they're tired of getting these messages. That was a beautiful plug right there, Abby. That was beautiful. (laughs) That was beautiful. So I'll, yeah, I'll wrap this all up. I got to do it. Open. I gotta do it. <laughs> you got to do it. I, love, I teach you up for it and you did it beautifully. So the last <laughs> thing though, and this is something that for some reason, small churches all across the nation fall into this trap. And I don't know why is the fact that small churches feel like a new digital sign outside of their church will bring more people in. I don't know <laughs> why, but small churches will spend twenty dollars to $30,000 on a chintzy, not great sign because mm-hmm. like, oh, people will come in because of the church sign. When I'm like, you just drop 30 G's on a church sign, but your website is junk. Your social media is a wreck. You don't even use a church management software. And to be right. honest, your church sanctuary is painted grossly. Why would I even want to walk in? Because again, you have ugly orange carpet, probably. It's like. awful. Like, and, and, and you know, I'm, I'm thinking primarily of a, of a buddy of mine. He was in the local association with me. He like we we were just just chatting. Like, hey, so what do you plan on doing? Because they they were a church replan, and then yeah. um, after they were start, like he was like, he was brought to the church, and he was doing some things. And he goes, no, nope, we got to replant this sucker. So they changed the name, they changed the culture, they repainted the building. He did a phenomenal job. I said, all right, dude. So so what's next? Like you're doing all the right things, and he goes. 
oh man, we're, we're right by one of the most major intersections in our town. And we're also, you can see our church from the highway. So we're going to get a digital sign so people know what's going on. And I'm like, no. Just You're don't. doing so well. <laughs> You're doing so well, buddy. And because so many people are like, oh, we can talk about what ministries we're doing, what our service times are, this, that, and the other. People have three seconds to drive by your church yeah. sign and they ain't going to be reading jack squat on it. And mm-hmm. really, you don't need to tell me what time it is and you don't need to tell me what the weather's like outside. I already know. You don't need to do any of that. And for some reason, small churches fall into that trap of like, hey, if you get digital sign, you can advertise to the world outside your church doors. But here's the deal, all right? One of the fastest growing churches in our... I would say this, the three fastest growing churches in our area, and some some of you guys will know, uh, Granger Community is right down the road from me. Um, their old executive pastor wrote the book on when it comes to being an executive pastor. There's another huge church, Gospel City. There's another church that's growing like crazy. It's one of the Vineyard Churches. It's just called Vineyard Church, but they're from that movement. The three things that they all have in common is they do not have a digital sign. They don't. (laughs) And they have grown like crazy. It's because they actually are involved in the community and they're constantly out in the community doing things. When people drive by the church, you don't need a digital sign to get people to look in because what are they going to do? They're going to go, oh, Okay, that's Southside Baptist Church. Let's Google them real quick while we're driving. Oh, the website looks like crap. Okay, put it down. Like that, you don't need to fall into the trap of having a digital sign. Now, I will say this Vineyard just recently, because their church is on um, literally the most traveled road. We call it the bypass, it's US 20. They just recently put a digital sign up there where they literally, so far, they've only have listed what their service times are, what their website is. And I think that's it. Like they just kind of rotate through that right now. And they, but again, they have done a, one of the most beautiful jobs of getting everything in order. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until they're already into the thousands of members that they're like, let's add a digital sign. Like, let's, yeah. let's, let's go for it. We got the, we got the wiggle room. We got the budget. Let's go for it. And I was like, y'all crushed it. Like about, I don't want to say about time you guys did it, but yeah. you know, they did a great job adding that piece to it. But for some reason, they're like, there's so many small churches in my area where I keep seeing them pop up. There's a church right down the road from me. I don't think they got more than 50 people. They just dropped in a digital sign. Another church is known as the annoying church sign in our community. Like that's what they're known for. They're a small little <laughs> church, maybe 125 people. And if you say, hey, let's meet up at this church in the parking lot so we can like, like actually, this is funny. Um, my mom's a, a school teacher and she lives directly between us and the school that our kids go to. So yeah. I actually take my kids to my mom we drop them off and go. And we had to recently change our drop spot because our exit, you know, our exit went away. And mom said, hey, let's just meet at the church that's right off this exit. And I said, uh, this church or this church? Because one's on the north side, one's on the south side. She goes, the one with the annoying church sign. <laughs> and you knew what she meant. You knew I knew exactly exa- what And I meant. said, oh yeah, it's, it's that church. Yeah, I'll, I'll meet you there. It's because they always have this bright, like a freaking Christmas. Like you literally think it's Christmas lights out there on the sign. There was another sign where the government, the city had to step in and tell the church, turn down your church sign because it's blinding drivers. And then they had to stop using red because they would change from red to blue and they thought it was cops. Like the government had to step in and say, please use your church sign right. And I feel like if we're trying to be a good witness and testimony in the community, uh, if you're known as the church with the annoying church sign, you already lost in my opinion. So at the end of the day, am I for, if you want to get a church digital sign, go for it. I'm here for it. But small church pastor, do not get a church sign. You're going to waste your money. And you, you could spend a lot less money on making your website flawless than you oh, can putting a digital sure. digital sign. So that's, this is that's so it. Yeah. Me. I have never thought about that. But now I'm going through in my head because I'm, I'm in a very small town in South Alabama. So we are like small church central, right? Like there's a... Can I ask you the question? What's your definition of a small town? 
Uh, a small town. I mean, like, I don't even know how to define it. We're very, like, we have one stoplight. Like, that's Oh, small. you like legit small town. Okay. Like small town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we have one one stoplight in the middle of town, uh, and you just, you go right through it. Yep. Um, but, so yeah, we have tons of small churches, and there's a church on every street corner. Most of them, you know, 50 to 75 people. And I'm going through in my head now and thinking of all the ones that have gotten, like, gaudy digital signs. And, and I they don't even never, look good. They don't look good. And like you said, it's only ever telling me that it's 75 degrees outside. And I'm like, my car dash is telling me that same thing. Like, Thank use you. it at least for something better. And if I don't know about the church, and I'm like, oh, that's a church I've never noticed before. I'm going to Google them. Like you just said, I'm not going to be like, oh, let me pull on the side of the road and wait for it to slide through to tell me the service times. I'm going to be like, this is their name. I'll look them up when I'm, you know, when I'm not driving. That's oh, really don't funny. lie. You look them up while you're driving. Don't no, lie. No, I would never. I would never. <laughs> but, but that's just it. And like, and I see so many, and again, I'm talking to small churches. I see so many small churches do this because they, they literally bite the bullet on, this is what businesses are doing, yeah. so let's do it. And I mean, there is a bank in our area, but again, it's Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Notre Dame has got money. And if you open your own bank because you're Notre Dame, you got money. And yeah. they have one of the best signs. It's a digital sign, but it's huge. And it is like, I mean, it is the most, I don't know if DPI is the right word for a digital sign. Uh, pixels per square inch, maybe. I don't yeah, know. Something but like literally, that. it looks like you're looking at a flat screen TV. Like oh, they wow, put, yeah. and someone in our church was like, can we get a church sign like that? I'm like, yeah. If you start giving us hundreds of thousands of dollars in tithe, they're like, oh, well, what about Ooh, that one? Can we just get a basic one like this church? And I said, yeah, that costs about 25000 to start, let alone keep continuing and maintaining yeah. it. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's that's a lot of money. But I just yeah. see so many small churches where there's like, let's get the digital sign. And I'm like, nope. let's do some other stuff first. Let's maybe. let's how how about we use that money for actual like kingdom purposes, not because it looks dope. So that's yeah. just my opinion. I think that that might be a hot take for some people. And if you just got a brand new digital sign and you're super proud of it, we're sorry. I'm sure it looks great. <laughs> Post but, a picture of it in the But at the same group. time, but again, you got to remember if people see your digital sign, they're going to go to your website. And yes. that's why I double down. And so, you know, like when I talk about like what are the bare essentials, and this is what I mean by bare essentials of, of a pastor has no time, no money, no resources. What are the bare minimum things you have to do? Get that website in order, get that Google business page, get that church management software in order and functional and set up properly. And also use a software that's cloud-based presentation software. So that way you're happy, your volunteers are happy, and it just goes off without a hitch. That's what I got. That was fantastic, Mark. Thank you so much for sharing all of these tips. We have covered a lot of things, um, but I think they're all super necessary and super helpful. And if you're a small church out there and you're putting some of these things in action, we want to hear about it. Make a post in the church comms group and mention that you listen to this podcast and be like, hey, I never knew that I needed to Google my business page. Or if you have some questions or things, drop them in there and we'll be sure to hop in. Mark, I also want to let people know if they're interested in learning about you, your podcasts, your website and everything, what's the best way for people to continue connecting with you? Yeah, so so the two best places, one is just my personal website, markhyde.com. Um, my day job is if you you know go there, it's literally I'm a... Uh, it depends who asks me. I design pretty things. That's just what I tell people. I design pretty websites that actually work. Um, yeah. And I design graphics and logos and all that kind of stuff as well. So uh, markhyde.com is the one-stop shop for all the things. You'll find different links to all the other places. But specifically regarding this audience and this community, smallchurch.media, not .com, just smallchurch.media is the one-stop shop. I have a podcast that you can find anywhere podcasts are found. If you just search the Small Church Media Podcast, you'll see a picture of my face. 
in my wife's face because we're just a vibe. She's never been on the show. She will never be on the show, but the picture's a vibe. So that's 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 my brandy <laughs> picture. For, for I, I have branded the snot out of myself with, here's my face and here's my lovely wife's. So, Aww, that's but, so yeah, sweet. Markai.com, small church, or smallchurch.media. Those are the two best places to find me. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. I'm sure we'll have you back on in the future because you seem to know all the things. This was so helpful and I cannot wait to see what people think about it. Like I said, jump in the group, let us know what you learned from this podcast. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. And if this conversation was an, an, wow, I stuttered there really bad. (laughs) If this conversation was an encouragement to you in any way, shape, or form, it would mean the world to me. Again, if you leave a rating and review, or if you would just go ahead and send this episode to another small church pastor in your community, in your network, or in whatever group you are part of, because I would love to continue to grow our audience here on the Small Church Media Podcast, continue reaching more people with just how to use media to better just equip the church to do the things that we need to do as small churches. So again, if you could share this episode with somebody, that would be tremendous. Another big shout out to Worship Tools. You know, Worship Tools has been hanging out with us here on the podcast for the last handful of months. And I just want to give Adam another shout out. Check them out. Go to smallchurch.media forward slash worship tools now to learn about how you can plan, present, and even rehearse and pull off a Sunday morning service with both yourself and your volunteers over at smallchurch.media forward slash worship tools. Go over to the smallchurch.media website where you can get free resources like this downloadable free PDF website audit that you can, a couple tests that you can put your website through or sign up for our free course about how to make sermon series graphics for your church. Well, it was a whole lot of fun hanging out with you guys again for another week of the Small Church Media Podcast. We'll see you next week. And until then, take it easy. The Small Church Media Podcast is a part of Mark Hyde Creative.